Standby. Hello, this is Penn Jillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the lackadaisical Librocubicularist podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I would potentially enjoy it. A ringing endorsement. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello. <coughs> Hello. Rather. Welcome to the LibroCube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the Lackadaisical LibroCubiculist. Today, my friends, is for you not that different. For me, it feels like the first time I've recorded a podcast in a while, because uh, I haven't for a while, so that feeling is valid. A little behind-the-scenes action is, uh, <clears throat> this is my first podcast recorded post Fan Expo, my very special, uh, some would say now yearly Fan Expo edition, uh, recently happened. Uh, I had a couple episodes recorded before that that I banked, that played after, but this is my first one recorded after. That is the behind the scenes action concluded there. Something I like to say at the top of every show is that there will be spoilers. It is not a 100% guaranteed chance of spoilers, but it is a high chance. And this is your one, and probably only warning, so please, take heed. <clears throat> Excuse me, I feel like I've got a frog, the proverbial frog, in my throat today. Another thing I like to say, not that, at the top of every show is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. Ah, see? There's that frog trying to get out again. No, that is ridiculous. What else is ridiculous is the only payment I actually ask is perhaps you, pa you pass the podcast on to a friend, perhaps. You rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes, as that is what podcasts enjoy. It's like their food, their very sustenance, you might say, if you're a weirdo. And I hope you are, and if you're listening to this, the chances that you are a weirdo, I would say, are high. Speaking of high, let's push a button. What? And that will get us started. Today's movie monologue sponsor is the Simon Says Managerial Consulting Firm. Thank you, sponsor. You are good. You are great. Movie the first is called Kill Me Three Times. Professional hitman Charlie Wolf finds himself in three tales of moida, blackmail, and revenge. After a botched contract assignment, this to me... <coughs> frog... Sounds like it would be way, way, way up my alley uh, as far as movie stuff goes. Kind of a dark comedy, uh, which is what it is. Stars Simon Pegg, who I love. But for some strange reason, I didn't really enjoy this movie too much. Um, the other sort of strangeness of that fact 
is that uh, Netflix, which this is available on, says I would really enjoy this movie. And as I've mentioned from time to time, if you go into Netflix and just rate a shit ton of movies, uh, like there's a section there where you can just click a couple of buttons and then rate, 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 rate. Like I spent, you know, while watching a movie, spent, you know, an hour rating movies while watching a movie. Two birds, one stone, you might say. You might. And um, then Netflix has an idea of what I would like, and then they'll have things that they recommend towards me, and 99-some-odd percent of the time, those recommendations have been very, very accurate. So I've been very pleased. Uh, I, I guess this is... <clears throat> I don't want to say exception to prove the rule, because it's not like I, I hated it. It's just that uh, maybe my hopes were too high. Maybe maybe that's it. Uh, all of that said, rating-wise, I'll probably go two and a half to three, which pains me to do so because I'm such a Simon Pegg fan, and this sort of genre, dark comedy, is usually my favorite. So I don't know what kind of went wrong for me exactly. There wasn't so much of the comedy, maybe? Maybe that was it? Maybe the darkness uh, was too... No, it, was, it wasn't too dark. Maybe it wasn't dark enough. Hmm, I don't know. Anyways, uh, <clears throat> kind of what I decided to do after watching this movie is to give Simon Pegg another chance. Because I, f I, I knew that I hadn't enjoyed it, and I knew I would say that on this podcast. And because I know he's a big fan of this podcast and listens to every episode, I wanted to give him a second chance. So what I did was watch a movie called Hector and the Search for Happiness starring the same Simon Pegg. And boy howdy, am I glad that I did so. This movie I love. Um, rating wise, just so I give before I forget, uh, fits really well into the sort of Sunday movie category that I like to mention fairly often. That, uh, that sort of idea that some movies on a lazy Sunday fits so so well on that day in that mood that they get higher marks than they may on another day this on a sunday five out of five on a not sunday maybe a four out of five but still i think there's enjoyment to be had on a not sunday <laughs> my god that's a convoluted rating but that is just how i roll oh boy uh a psychiatrist searches the globe to find the secret of happiness nice and simple sounding right Right. Uh, yeah, it is sort of a simple premise. It's what happens along the way, which um, I was yeah, I was going to use the word amazing. I don't know if I can or not. I hesitate to use the word amazing, but I may use it anyways. Uh, yeah, there's there's laughs. There's there's thought provokingnesses. There's uh, definitely some cries as well. In uh, all, in all, a sort of. Uh, I believe the word that a professional reviewer might or might not use is a roller coaster of emotions. Huh? Uh, anyways, definitely recommend it, just in general, for all of those reasons. Hmm. <clears throat> Frog. Okay, next is Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Yes. Uh, I had seen this one before. Uh, occasionally the missus and I will do a sort of deal where I will pick three or four movies and she has to pick one of them to watch. 
that's sort of the way of being fair. So we're not always watching her movies, and we're not always watching my movies. And uh, she seems to like it more when I do the do the list and she does the picking, which uh, I kind of I kind of like the, the the listing more. Oh shit! I kind of like the listing side of things more because I feel like uh, I have a better. And maybe she'll listen to this and be offended, and maybe she will not listen or be offended. Uh, I think I have a better idea of the type of movie she would like more than she has uh, an idea of the type of movie that I like. Uh, and I do try to aim it towards things I think she would like. Here, uh, she loves horror movies, and this is sort of a horror movie. It has a lot of, it has a lot of the elements you will find in a horror movie, the difference being they're <laughs> fucked up. Uh, basically, it's... Uh, how do I explain it to her to sort of entice her? Uh, it's a horror movie where the people who you would assume are the bad guys in a normal horror movie are actually the good guys. And the good guys are uh, the bad guys. So it's sort of a switching of, of roles. Uh, and that's kind of the other reason I thought you might like it is the fact that we watch a shit ton of horror movies. There's nothing wrong with that. I like a good horror movie. I like uh, scary ones. I like the not scary ones. It's just they're all sort of... They get samey. You get you get in that sort of uh, mindset that every horror movie you see is basically like every other horror movie you see. So when something like this comes along that pulls from that genre, but then puts everything sort of on its head, uh, the potential that you're going to like it is there. This is, I think, sort of a cult movie. Uh, it came out in 2010, and uh, I highly, highly recommend it. A lot, a lot, a lot of laughs in this. I laughed very hard and often, uh, especially having not remembered a lot of the movie. Like, I probably saw it in 2010, so it's been about five years since I've seen it, and uh, it definitely holds up. It definitely does. Uh, five out of five, highly recommend. Next, moving on to the, uh, as you've already heard, I'm out of time, which is something that uh, television showrunners have to deal with. A nice segue. Nice. Uh, the movie is titled Showrunners, colon, The Art of Running a TV Show. This is a documentary. Uh, I'd heard about it a little bit. So uh, I think it was on, yeah, it was on Netflix. I think all four. All of these movies were on Netflix, if I do recall. Pretty sure. Uh, a documentary that explores the world of U.S. television showrunners and the creative forces aligned around them. So, um, kind of one of the main reasons I wanted to watch this was for Joss Whedon being one of the uh, titular <laughs> showrunners. Uh, I knew he was in this. And I kind of wanted to crawl around in his brain a little bit. So, uh, that's why I decided to watch it for the most part, but uh, ended up being much more than that as far as the, the processes the processes involved in running a TV show and seemingly the hell it is to do so, to be that sort of number one dude or dudette who's in charge of getting the show on the air. Uh, anyone with problems is coming to you. It sounds like a nightmare to be honest. I, I don't think I could do it. I don't think I have the brain uh, of somebody who would be able to do that. Uh, that being said, to watch a movie about the people who do that was interesting. Uh, Rating-wise, I'd probably go... 
I go solid four out of five. Uh, if you're interested in this subject, I bet you you'd even go five out of five. Uh, it's just my interest was more from uh, not a I want to do this standpoint, more from a how do they do this standpoint. Yeah, yeah that's an interesting way of putting it. Wow, cocky much? Today's television talk sponsor is Late Night with vampires and monsters and, and things of that nature because, you know, they're they're up at night anyways. So, okay, today's uh, television talk, we've got two televisions to talk about. The first being a new addition to my television uh, lineup, I guess you would say. Lineup in the sense of I usually have the shows on the go uh, and very infrequently will add ones that are currently on the air. Almost never. Uh, normally I'll wait for them to be off the air and sort of do the whole binge watch thing uh, like I just finished doing with the second item of this television job. Anyways, uh, the uh, new edition is The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Or Colbert, if you prefer. But that's wrong, so it's weird if you prefer that. Yeah, uh, I was a big uh, uh, Col Colbert report uh, fan. So, uh, when I heard he was taking over for David Letterman, I thought, hey, uh, this has the potential to be very, very funny. And he has just sort of completed his first week. Uh, I should mention at this point, as I usually do when I talk about Conan and Jimmy Kimmel, both of whom I also watch, uh, that I am not up at night late enough to watch any of these shows. So what I do is just go over to YouTube, and uh, each of the shows has a YouTube page in which they will take clips from the shows and post there. So I'm not getting the 100% full experience that someone who stays up late at night and watches the entire thing uh, gets, but uh, enough for the purposes here where I talk about a television show for five minutes. I, th I think I'm getting some of the gists. All right. Sound fair? Okay, uh, so his first week. Uh, very, very good. I don't know if I had as many laughs as I thought I was going to, but it's his first week, so there's that. Uh, the other thing is that he... I guess this is something that... Well, you don't have to, though. This is my problem. Okay, this is my problem with sort of late nights. Maybe in general is not a good way to say it, but, but quite often the road that late night uh, talk show hosts go down, and that is the world of politics and uh, something else Stephen Colbert did uh, a fair amount of, not a huge amount, but a fair amount of, uh, the world of sports. Uh, the world of politics and the world of sports are the two things that I have the least amount of interest in in just about anything. So when he devotes uh, any amount of time, or a lot of time, mm, uh, on these two subjects, 
no matter how funny he makes them, and he does make them funny, it's just my lack of interest in these two subjects kind of drain away some of my interest, and that's just sort of human nature. So the the, the fact that he's talking politics and sports and I'm laughing uh, is uh, seemingly it's a pretty incredible feat. Two subjects I have no interest in, and he's making me laugh at them. So uh, it's it just I hope he in future maybe moves more into other areas not completely taking away those areas that I'm sure lots of people tune in for that's not fair of me to ask it's just I hope he sort of delves into different areas than normal let's say okay uh, first week down and I'm going to continue watching that that's sort of the the one of the takeaways you could have from this and my hopes are still high not as high though as they were for season six and seven and eight seasons not eight well yeah eight. Oh yeah you know i should talk about that okay uh season six and seven of buffy the vampire slayer uh i think i have mentioned on the podcast that i was re-watching these uh just recently finished the last two seasons uh which were and still are to this day in fact uh, my favorite two seasons uh season six where we've got evil willow uh just an incredible feat of television ship and I kind of didn't remember the final season that much, which I suppose makes sense. Well, does it? Yeah, yeah, I didn't re- really remember this, the final season as much. I wonder why that is. Anyways, uh, so I, I didn't think it was good as it turned out to actually be. So uh, maybe it's just the fact that I've aged and experienced things in life since the last time I uh, watched these that have sort of changed my opinions and the way that I look at them. So season seven uh, ended up being better than I had remembered it was. Uh, As you've heard, we're out of time, so I don't really have too much time to talk about these two things or Buffy as a whole. Just to say that uh, the reason I started watching that was uh, I had some, like, tough times was feeling a little down in the dumps I guess you could say and decided to sort of dust off a television show that I knew I had loved so so incredibly so so incredibly much this was Buffy and uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine were the very first DVDs I ever purchased I think I purchased them all one Christmas with gift cards like I asked for gift cards specifically to purchase these so I and I still have them (laughs) Uh, so, so that sort of fact, it's got the nostalgia factor, definitely, but also it's just an amazing program, and uh, would recommend it to anyone. One thing I'm, I'm always sort of disappointed with, uh, with regards to the missus, is that she will not watch this with me. She, uh, it's something about, at least this is what I assume it is, the title is not sort of something that you could get someone who doesn't have a desire to watch a show such as this. Um, it sort of puts them off. Like, if it was just sort of a normal, boring title, and you said it was an amazing show, and they watched a bit of it, uh, I think the potential that they would be hooked is much higher. But when you say, let's watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, they're, they're going to poo-poo that even as a thought. So uh, that's kind of a shame. One day, I will uh, strap her down and do a sort of clockwork orange thing to her eyeballs and make her watch this. That is a vow to you listening to this.
Center. Today's book banter sponsor is the Journeyman Travel Agency. Journeyman. Oh, look at that. Uh, today's book and this book banter is titled Alvin Journeyman, or Journeyman, if you prefer, by the asshole. Sure, say that. Why not? Uh, Orson Scott Card. Orson Scott Card, excuse me, who um, I think will try to <coughs> frog uh, stay away from talking about that from a political standpoint. His assholishness, since uh, we've covered that already, if I do recall, as I mentioned, uh, I've got three episodes sort of tucked away. Uh, where I know I spoke of him already, so we probably don't need to. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the book in particular rather than the writer, because we're going to try to separate the man from the work. Ooh. Okay, so we've got uh, Alvin, Alvin Journeyman. Uh, he was, in the last book, as you no doubt remember, a prentice, uh, a blacksmith prentice. So he's taken his learnings... <coughs> And then, strangely enough, uh, I made it through the entire book, and he had not done one iota of uh, blacksmithing. So, was that a wasted apprenticeship? I suppose not, for one simple reason, and, that is, and that's the sort of idea that he took what he learned in the working of metal, and uses his, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, his magical abilities to change things around him as the need arises. So, for example, uh, sort of the main thing he did as his apprenticeship in order to become a journeyman was he made a plow out of metal, out of iron. Um, that's something that anyone could do. He then got into the forge with the plow and sort of naked, because all his clothes burnt off, uh, healed himself as he was burning using his abilities, uh, turned the plow into gold. That's pretty cool. But further, somehow, some way, furthering the magicalness, uh, made the plow, quote-unquote, alive. Hmm. Uh, I, I bring all this up for the fact that it's pretty friggin' awesome. He's got an alive plow, made of gold, which you'd never hear that in a million years anywhere, just period. Uh, and, and the fact that a lot of this book has to do with the 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 uh, blacksmith who trained him uh, to some degree. He wasn't a very good teacher, and uh, Alvin sort of outshone him within you know a year or two of his apprenticeship. Uh, decided that this plow belongs to him; it should be his rightfully. So uh, uh, a, a lot, yeah, yeah, a fair amount of this book takes place with uh, Alvin sort of in prison and a whole sort of courtroom scene going on uh, where this, this blacksmith's trying to prove that the, the golden plow should belong to him, Alvin's trying to prove that it's not, yada, yada, yada. Uh, that being said, courtroom-type stuff, usually pretty boring to me. Uh, so similar to uh, Stephen Colbert making politics and sports funny, uh, Orson Scott Card making courtroom... Uh, we'll say drama interesting to me uh, is also pretty impressive uh, that all that being said this is probably one of my 
Yeah, I think my least favorite of the books in this series so far. Uh, how about I give my rating while I remember to do so? I think so far I've given all the other books 5 out of 5. Like, this series as a whole, definitely getting 5 out of 5 from me. Uh, it'd have to go... I don't know how it would go so wrong that I give it less. I, I guess the last books would have to be pretty horrible. Anyways, uh, this book will go maybe a 3 or 4 out of 5. It's just because of the subject matter and my interest in it, wanes a little bit. Uh, the other sort of cool thing is it introduces a new evil, let's say. Uh, so in the first, we kind of had, in the first few, we kind of had uh, Indians versus the white man. We had uh, white man versus black man in the form of slavery. Uh, this one we have a little bit different. It's Alvin's brother, Calvin. <laughs> I just realized they rhyme. Uh, who's sort of taken the evil route as far as these abilities. His, excuse me, his abilities are lesser, as in he can't do as much because he didn't take the time to learn properly. But it's still, he's got some incredible abilities and has decided to use them not for the good of the world, but for the good of himself. So, uh... They hadn't, by the end of this book, had the sort of final showdown, but you could tell that's what it's building uh, between two brothers, a uh, good, evil, uh, magic. I like putting magic in quotes in this book because it never really says magic. It's just uh, this guy, Alvin, who's got the ability to use uh, a sort of second sight to look into things, to see the atoms moving within a, a metal plow and change them from iron to gold, as an example, that sort of thing. So, uh, that's something else I like. They, they don't just say, yeah, he's magic. They say, no, he has the ability to change the molecular structure of things. Uh, so, so I, I like it when it goes to a little more detail like that. So, overall, pretty good. Today's game, Gabba sponsor, is Chernobyl brand Uber GMO kumquats. Kumquats. Thank you, sponsor. I uh, got a new game uh, to talk about. It is called Stalker, colon, Shadow of Chernobyl. You know what? Oh, I didn't do it. Am I going to be able to find this easily? Stalker. Uh, the word stalker... In the, top, in the title of the video game has a little dot between each letter and it's all in capitals, which means that it stands for something which, you know, I'm three, four plus hours into this game and I have no idea what it stands for, so I'm just seeing if it says anywhere in the Wikipedia page what it stands for I don't see it readily available, like it's not in the top it's not in the yeah, I have no idea what Stalker stands for. So if you have played this game, that's interesting. But what might even be more interesting is if you know what Stalker stands for. I would love to hear from you. Please let me know to maywood.jordan at gmail.com. Or perhaps you could tweet at me, Jordan underscore Maywood. Or, you know, just say hello on the street. 
Okay, uh, so in my sort of desire, large and brewing, to get my hands on Fallout 4, uh, I actually already had a copy of this game and thought, you know what, I'm finally going to play it because it's kind of been sitting in my Steam queue for a little while now. So uh, I thought maybe this would hold me over. Uh, it is not a great game but but uh, there's a good but here it came out in uh, 2007 so uh, you do have to take that into consideration if I played this game in 2007 uh, I bet you I would have friggin loved it like it, it's just it feels a little dated um, and even that you, you, that sort of that being said I am playing it I haven't stopped playing it and I am having enjoyment uh, so rating wise, I probably go with, ooh, you know what, let's do this for the first time ever. Uh, if I played this in 2007, I bet you I'd give it a 5. Since I'm playing it in 2015, I'm going to give it a 3. Which, as you know, means I enjoyed it while playing it, but probably wouldn't play it again. That, that, that sort of works good for this. And there's a couple more in the series, so I'm hoping maybe they, as they do uh, with age, get better as time progresses. Uh, you're playing a stalker, which stands for something, we don't know what, which is basically just a, a dude who's in uh, the zone, yeah, which is an area around uh, Chernobyl. If you are unfamiliar with Chernobyl, what's wrong with you? Uh, it, it's basically a uh, an atomic whatchamacallit, power plants that uh, went nuclear, as you say, and uh, exploded, called the Chernobyl disaster. Hmm. And uh, leaked radiation ever, everywhere, and uh, did it kill people? I, I assume it killed people. Radiation and people, not a good mix. So uh, that's where this is taking place, which is kind of strange, because uh, there's, you know, as there are going to be mutants and things of that nature, but... It's not like that affected the whole world. People just sort of moved away from that area. So this almost has a post-apocalyptic feel to it. However, if it's just the area around Chernobyl itself, that kind of doesn't make sense. Anyways, uh, maybe I should mention at this point that the story uh, I'm having trouble following a little bit just because it's not somehow, some way pulling me in too much. I think it has to do with the fact that... Uh, uh, I'm playing this while, you know, watching movies and watching Buffy and what have you, so so maybe I need to pay more attention to the story. Uh, and the other thing is, the story doesn't really matter. I'm, I'm going around killing guys. Uh, there's mutants. Uh, sometimes you're underground, you're searching bases, you're getting things, you're bringing it back to people. Uh, it, it was in a lot of ways, considering this came out in 2007, ahead of its time. Uh, in a lot of ways, it's behind where we are now. <laughs> so, uh, I, I suppose on some levels I would recommend it to people who have played a lot of games of this nature. Uh, you're going to know what to expect, and you're not going to be too disappointed if you come at it from a standpoint of this came out in 2007. So there you go.
intercourse. I like turtles. Today's internet intercourse sponsor is Rum Roast and Asparagus Hamburger, aka Asparagus Asperger. What the f I don't even know on that one. Okay, uh, item the first in this internet intercourse is rather a collection of many items in the form of something called Fun House. F-U-N-H-A-U-S. Fun House. Uh, I felt like I hadn't brought these guys back in quite a while. Uh, that combined with the fact that this last sort of weakened change of their output uh, has generated in my belly a great amount of laughter. Uh, just meant that I had to talk about them, and that's just what we're going to do. Uh, yeah, these guys really, really seem to... A combination of like what they're doing, be good at what they're doing, have fun at what they're doing, and uh, all of this sort of comes across with uh, a mixture of mostly comedy with uh, also some edutainment. Yeah, how about that? Wow. Uh, yeah, if you're unfamiliar, it's a bunch of guys probably close to my age, maybe a little younger. Uh, yeah, I assume younger, maybe maybe late 20s, uh, who play video games, talk about video games, and make videos with video games in them. Now, to someone who has no interest in video games, that might sound not good. And maybe it's not, if you don't like video games. But... Uh, because of the funniness of it and the fact that there's just a couple of, uh, I forget how many there is, five or six guys uh, sitting around, shooting the shit, having fun, telling jokes. Uh, does it really matter what the subject is that they're talking about as long as they have a interest in it? Like if they were talking about something they had no desire to talk about, I think that would take away from the experience as a whole. But because uh, the subject they have an interest in it, that means that the, the content's going to be better uh, than it would otherwise. Does that make any sense? I don't know, but sometimes some of the stuff they do makes zero sense. Uh, some of the things they do, uh, GTA, they play GTA, they'll film that, they'll post it. Uh, those are probably the best from an actual gameplay watching standpoint, I would say. Just for myself, that's an opinion. Uh, Wheelhouse, that's fun. Uh, they'll basically have this thing, this app almost. Push a button, it'll pick a game on Steam, they'll then play that game. So you got a bit of a chance involved there. Another chance type scenario they have is uh, one of my new favorites that they somewhat recently added. I think since last time we spoke of them. Uh, it's called Demo Disc. Uh, which makes me... Uh, every time I think of it, I, I want to remember to... Did I throw them out? I had a shit, shit, shit ton of old uh, PC video games that I thought, man, I should send these to these guys. Anyways, uh, some guy gave them a whole binder full of uh, demo discs. If you're unfamiliar with what that is, uh, way back in the day, uh, PC, personal computer, uh, video game makers would release uh, demos or demonstrations sure uh on discs so you could play it and get a feel for the game now it's all done online but uh back in the day these things littered the landscape uh so some guy gave a bunch to them and then they play them or rather try to play them because quite often they're old as shit and uh, don't work which 
you know, potential for comedy right there, which is what it's all about. Anyways, uh, recommend Funhouse in general. Got to move on to... What was my second item? Uh, it was a TED Talk title. TED Talk title. And other thing that I hadn't brought back in a long time was a TED Talk. Uh, my inner life with Asperger's. So uh, this is a girl who's got Asperger's. And uh, she talks about what that means from a sort of how she gets through life perspective and what it means to be a person with Asperger's. Uh, highly, highly interesting. Sometimes uh, sort of a phrase that the missus and I use is a dusting uh, when it comes to things like this. Like, potentially, there, there's... I don't think it's necessarily true, but there's a potential that I feel like I have a dusting of Asperger's. Uh, the reason I say that is some of the characteristics that uh, people with Asperger's have, I can see in myself. I don't actually think I have with it. It's just sort of a dusting of some of the char of the Aspergery characteristics. So the, the so that meant uh, that this was extra interesting for me, and it will be for you. Also, the fact that the girl was uh, pretty funny, which I greatly appreciate. If you're going to do a TED Talk about a serious subject, make sure you throw in a couple of laughs, because that makes it that much more memorable in your brain when you do something like that. So, please do. Okay, uh, excuse me, last but not least. Oh yeah, uh, as you heard, we're already out of time, so I'll just run these down quick. Uh, we've got a Mind Blow. This is a Vsauce 2, which is a channel on YouTube. Another sort of thing I felt I hadn't brought back in a while. And uh, this was one of the mind blowiest I, I've seen in a while. Basically, it's this dude uh, who will bring back a bunch of things to his YouTube channel that will sort of blow your mind, be they facts or products or what have you. Uh, he calls it Mind Blow. This is number 98 in the series, so he's been doing it for a while. They're always amazing. For some reason, this one sort of jumped out at particular to me, so I thought I would bring it back. Uh, what do we got here? Uh, Brazilian wasp venom kills cancer cells. So uh, apparently there's been developments in cancer treatments that involve a certain wasp from Brazil, and uh, it's shown some promise. Interesting... Uh, Hedgehog Comet Exploring Robot. Yeah, that was weird. I didn't really get that or see it in action. It was a square robot. I don't really know how it moved. It just looked like a cube. It looked like a companion cube from Portal. Uh, bionic Suit. Yeah, that one was probably the coolest. Uh, bionic Suit helps paralyzed man walk. Uh, basically what it was was uh, it reacted to your skin. So rather than the muscles in your legs moving... Uh, what it was was the, the there was sensors on your skin that would then cause the uh, bionic uh, motors to move your legs so that was interesting uh, evolution robot swarms good 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 cosmic neutrino confirmation oh yeah that one was interesting neutrinos famously sort of hard to detect have been detected so I was like stuff like that uh, translator membrane for cool cities. Oh, yeah, that was weird. It was like putting a dome over cities to keep them cool. Solar sunflowers. Yeah, f the solar sunflower is just sort of a new development in uh, sun energy. Looks like a sunflower a little bit. Virtual reality, which is always interesting. 3D printed microscopic fish. 
<laughs> 3D printed microscopic fish. I just like saying that out loud. Uh, water healed bioplastic from squid genes. I don't remember that one. Multifaceted 3D glass printing matter group. Uh, monarch butterfly metamorphosis. Yeah, uh, I, I think we'll end with me just saying the words uh, 3D printed microscopic fish. Oh yeah, other than these words, which I like to say, which are of course, it is nice to be nice to the nice. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean. Buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email. Jordan.Maywood at gmail.com I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Nah, something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper